come grab a seat, grab a drink. We're going to get started here shortly. Everybody, my name is Justin Hare. I'm one of the clergy, obviously. Um, we're going to get started. Yeah, if you can't tell. This is my friend Brian McGreevy. He's the other clergy here. We're going to get started. We're so glad that you're here tonight. We've got a great group. Um, what you'll need to do is grab a drink and grab a seat. And you will also see these little sheets of paper kind of scattered around the room. The way this goes is basically Brian and I will have a conversation tonight. We're going to talk about the topic of rest. And at any point in the conversation, feel free to get another drink. Uh, there's appetizers around. You're not going to bother us at all. But uh, what's really fun is you're able at the top of this sheet just to scan this QR code and you can submit any questions anonymously while we talk. Uh, we had some pretty interesting questions last time. So if you would, uh, oh, the other feature on that is you can see the other questions that people submit. If you, uh, you know, you don't have to submit something, you can see what other people are doing. If you like a question, just go ahead and you can like it and that will help it get to the top because Mary Hollis is going to be curating all these questions for us and then posing them at the end. So, all right, shall we get started? Yeah. How's everybody doing? Wow, miserable. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here. I'm on vacation, so I'm doing great, actually. Yes, Justin is actually showing completely the opposite of what we're talking about tonight, of working during your vacation. But yeah. I'm very grateful that he is. So there's, there's some reasons for it that we'll talk about. Right, right. So uh, if you missed last week, um, which, by the way, we, we recorded. We record each of these. And um, they're available on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, we've got a little email uh, listserv that you can scan the bottom thing and join that. And you can get um, the audio as well as like recommended further resources on different things that we talk about. So uh, feel free to sign up for that as well and stay connected. Uh, but we talked about vocation, meaning, and purpose last week. And it's no accident that we're talking about rest this week. You know. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about both work and rest. What what does the Bible have to say? I mean, we, let's just get started. Uh, what does the Bible say about rest, Brian? Well, there's a ton that the Bible says about rest, and those of you that are really good on your Ten Commandments memory will remember that the Fourth Commandment is about rest and keeping the Sabbath. And uh, the interesting thing about that is the Hebrew word there, Shabbat, means two things. The first thing it means is to stop, to like halt everything that you're doing, stop totally. But the other meaning of that word is to delight. And I think the way that um, scripture talks about rest is a combination of those two things, the idea of stopping and the idea of delighting and finding joy. And I think it's something that our culture is really bad at which is one of the reasons that we want to talk about yeah. this. So one of the things we did last week, we tried to talk about, I mean, they go hand in hand, obviously, um, because God, in the very beginning, he works. He actually uh, forms and fills the world, and so he's working six days and stopping on the seventh day, and he actually gives us that pattern to do. It's interesting that he doesn't say rest six days and work one day, but we were actually made for work, and one of the things is that we talked about last week is work is a good thing. Um, that it's actually, it, it can go awry though. We we've, can find our identity in our work, we can overwork, uh, which is why we're talking about rest tonight. And I always think it's fascinating, you know, why, why does God 
rest. You know, you explained Sabbath, which is a you know a fancy word that we maybe have heard about if you've grown up in church, but it, it really just means stop. Mm-hmm. And when God does all that, He's not like exhausted at the end of a week because God doesn't get exhausted, but He's delighting in what He's made. Mm-hmm. He's saying that it's good, it's good, it's good, and then He's stopping to rest and to enjoy what He's done. Yeah, and I think part of that is that when you look in Scripture and you look at the lives of people that have lived joyous and impactful lives following Christ, one of the things that you see is those people are not characterized by hurry and stress and overcommitment and anxiety and all of those kinds of things. They're characterized by joy and they're characterized by having this kind of rhythm in their lives that's a back and forth uh, between work and ministry and rest. And one of the things you'll see if you read in the Gospels is that Jesus himself regularly pulls away even when there are hundreds of people. I mean, what could be more important than people that are following Jesus wanting to be healed? And Jesus decides to go away and to rest. And so, you know, part of the idea is that we we should follow that example. And I want to just do a quick little book plug here. Oh, okay. If you have not read this book, The Common Rule, please do yourself a favor and read this book. Uh, it is really excellent. Um, and it's basically taking some of the wisdom from people who've lived uh, amazing Christian lives um, and trying to come up with some practices and habits to live that joyful kind of life in the midst of the culture that we all find ourselves in. And one of his key practices is rest and Sabbath. We, um, these, but we, we'll probably say the same thing about all these books probably throughout <laughs> the course of this time. But they'll be up here. You can take a look at them. Also, we'll send out a list of all of these as well as maybe a couple podcasts or something like that. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that right now. But, uh, you know, Brian, I've worked with young people now for uh, a few years at least, and it's fascinating. You know, um, we feel like we can't actually, f- like Jesus is bad, that he leaves people and goes away. And... I, in talking with, with young folks, either college or young professionals, um, it, it, there's, there's so much going on, we, we, we feel like they, they can't let go. And so when you say, um, all right, hey, this is actually a commandment, A, there's some confusion as to what actually is the commandment. And the commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And what's entailed in that is to literally stop working for 24 hours a week to have a, a, a day a week where you're not doing your work and it's devoted to God. And you're, um, we'll talk maybe about rest a little bit, but there's two reasons. Actually, you may not know this. In the Old Testament, um, the Ten Commandments show up twice, once in Exodus, once in, in Deuteronomy. And there's two different rationales uh, which are complementary for why we should take a day off. Uh, the first one in Exodus is Exodus chapter 20. And it talks about for God... Uh, created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he rested. So part of rest is woven into the fabric of who we were created to be, that we weren't created to go on and on and on all the time, but to stop and to delight in what we've made. But the, the second one that shows up in, um, 
in Deuteronomy, most people don't realize that there's another, uh, it shows up again later on in the Old Testament, but it, there it is, and it says, um, instead of rooting it in God's, like, patterned after God, it's now rooted in their liberation from Egypt. He says, you are to remember that you were once slaves, and that's why you're to take a day off. And I think that's really one of the rubs. It, I'll go ahead and plug this book, Sabbath as Resistance. It's by Walter Brueggemann, saying no to the culture of now. And the whole idea of stopping for a day every week, it's the, most of the reasons that I hear are, I can't do that because I have too much to do. And you, you wonder, there's always going to be too much to do, right? I mean, there's never, if, if, maybe if you've, gotten through your entire to-do list, please talk with me afterwards. I've never done that before. There will always be too much to do. My wife's here. She can attest to that. So, um, But, yeah, I think that there's so much that is costly in saying no. It's, it's a practice, a, a choice of the will to resist uh, this false lie that I am what I produce. The whole mentality of these Israelites in Egypt was their production. Yeah. And boy, do we live in a culture now that you are what you can produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really important to reflect on is looking at those two different rootedness places of the, the command for Sabbath because most of us, I mean, we don't like to think of it this way, but a lot of times we act more as if we are machines that are grinding out something producing something more than we think of ourselves as being made in the image of God and being made for not only work but rest and relationship and all of these other things. And but it always reminds me when this topic comes up, back when I was still doing legal work and management consulting, I took a group of CEOs from the United States to meet with their counterparts in France. And these were people that were CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies. And the American CEOs were at this big fancy dinner, and they're all bragging about, I haven't taken a day of vacation in 10 years. And you know, then another guy's like, oh, I haven't taken one in 15. You know, and they're thinking they're so just amazing and at the top of the business world because of that. And the French guys, who are some of them CEOs of companies bigger than the Americans, are looking at the Americans like they have two heads. And you know, and they one of them finally was bold enough to say, you know, are you like mentally ill? <laughs> and all of the French people said, Yeah, we take at least a month of vacation every year. And if we were unable to do that, we would quit our jobs. And, you know, it's just such a different mentality. And I know for me, when I was in that job, I thought I was so indispensable. Because I built this business and built this whole division and got these tens of millions of dollars of revenue. And I thought, they're going to like go out of business when I quit. Um, and they're going to like probably declare days of mourning and all of that. And, um, you know, and they were nice to me about when I quit and kept trying to get me to come back. But in fact, they didn't go out of business. They did great. It was as if I was never there. And so it's just a reminder that that, that sense that we have that we've got to do this and it's, you know, it's so important. Maybe we need to take some steps back from that. Yeah. It's become like a badge of honor to be who, who's the most tired, yeah. who, who's so exhausted, who's gotten the most 
going on. I mean, we always say we're, we're busy, we're busy. I think this is fascinating. The, the, the command to take a day off shows up before don't kill people. Yep. Like, <laughs> take a day off, you know, this is uh, this was on one of the podcasts that I shared with you, but he was saying, you know, as a, as a pastor, uh, this guy was saying that, you know, he if he uh, committed adultery, if he lied, cheated, stole, um, killed somebody, he would be fired immediately, immediately. Thrown, in, thrown in jail. Right. right. Um, you do, you don't follow the Sabbath. You're promoted, and you get a raise. You get a raise. Yes. You're doing great. It's held as a badge of honor, and so it does come with some sacrifice, maybe potentially. But we aren't machines, and right. as we talked about several times in this, our bodies do keep score, and so it's no. I mean, one of the biggest issues now is mental health, and we've talked a little bit about this, but anxiety, panic attacks, all of these things, maybe they're related to, what if God created us in such a way as to actually let go of our things once a week? Uh, I, I think that might actually help our, and I'm not saying that's easy, but it would probably help uh, remedy some of the, the problems that we've had in mental health issues. Yeah, and I think that that is part of what leads to human flourishing. You know, flourishing does not come from keeping your nose to the grindstone, working 90 hours a week, seven days every week, never taking time off, never looking up at the sky, never having a moment to just contemplate anything. And one of my favorite songs is the um, Mumford song, I Will Wait, which is something I would commend to you to go listen to. Uh, but part of what I love in that song is there's a line and I interpret that song as a prayer. Everybody has their own interpretation. But one of the lines is, break my step and relent. And it's that idea of when you're striding, being so purposeful to like break your step, to stop, to look around, and then to wait on what God might want to show you. And then further on, it talks about waiting on your knees and having your spirit painted gold. But it's just a beautiful example of being able to enter into the presence of God in a way that just doesn't happen when you're just zooming around all the time. And sometimes, I mean, it's fascinating talking to the people who, who've kind of taken the deep dive into what Sabbath is and trying to learn this ancient practice of, of Sabbath keeping. Um, they, they've all, it's God has broken their step. They've gotten to burnout. And, and yeah. it's usually all these people who are at wit's end that they finally come to realize, like, wow, this is something that God's created, and his commands aren't actually restrictive, but they're actually meant for our good, and, and you know, shocker, for our, our joy. Even. Right. Um, you know, what I love the title of one of your books that you, you're shy about, but I, when I relax, I'm embarrassed I, because I feel this guilty. is clearly really old from the graphics, but it's a great book, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's true for you, but I would bet it is true for a lot of us in this room. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we fear that we're going to be seen as lazy, that we're that we're not doing enough, because it's just part and parcel of our culture that you are what you produce, that you are. It's only up to your efficiency and how you live. I mean, I, and that carries over into like how you drive. I mean, I'm speaking right out of my own life here. Always feeling a sense of urgency, moving in hurry. And, and so in a sense, taking a Sabbath, both it's, it's, it is a day, but it's also kind of an attitude that permeates your whole life. That it, it does um, mitigate against this idea that we're, time is 
is of the essence and it's so valuable that we have to use all of it. But we, uh, when we rush from thing to thing, we miss what God has placed right in front of us. We're, and so in some sense, um, Sabbath can also be just an attitude of being present and attentive to what God has in front of you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think part of that and part of um, and thinking about practices of Sabbath is thinking about what do you do from obligation and what do you do from joy? And I think if most of us are honest with ourselves, the calculus of that is weighted way on the obligation side and not not so much on the joy side. And that's something that I think for, for us to really live into being made in the image of God, we have to be able to find that margin and to have that space to be able to look at the sunset and just think about how beautiful it is to go on a walk and listen to the birds, to go and just be with a friend without an agenda, to just share our lives together. And those kinds of things usually get put off and shoved to the back of the to-do list. And um, I think part of being able to recover Sabbath is to, uh, like that old management exercise, put the big rocks in the jar first of uh, choosing when you're starting to plan your week to build time in for that. Um, well, we just a couple minutes before we go to questions, but let's bring it down to earth. What does that actually look like for you to uh, enjoy and to rest? I mean, it's great to talk about up here, but what do yeah. you do for, well, for joy versus obligation? <laughs> is that timely over there? Yeah, that's pretty that, good. That, that is... Uh, that's a great question. I will say, honestly, this is something that I am not very good at, that I've struggled with. And I've been in uh, career places before where uh, rest was really discouraged, um, and they wanted to use as much as you as you could. Um, fortunately, that's not the way it is at the church. Yes. Uh, but one of the things that's great um, that I've started trying to do, partially thanks to my children who gave me a wonderful gift and gave me a pass to Middleton Gardens. Um, My day off is usually on Monday, and so for um, a pretty fair number of Mondays, I will get up early and just go to Middleton by myself uh, and walk for like four hours. And it's amazing because, I don't know if you've been to Middleton lately, but it's one of the most spectacular places in this country. And if you go early, there's nobody there. And to be able to just walk in the quiet and hear the birds and the sound of the breeze and the uh, leaves is wonderful. Sometimes I'll ask a friend to go with me who's a friend that I find joy in being with. Um, I think it's important to sometimes look at our relationships and figure out which ones are life-giving, which ones really um, do you feel energized and um, more yourself. Uh, which is one of the reasons that sometimes on Monday we still have lunch together um, because we just enjoy being together even if it's it's a day off um, because that's a life-giving time. But I think choosing to do things like that that are life-giving and joyful and slower and out of your usual routine, sometimes you can do something that's pretty busy, but if it's outside your routine, it can be Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I mean, I'm in this right now, taking a, a vacation, right, and reading things that I love reading, and it's so darn hard for me to let go of, this sounds super dirty when I'm saying it now, but like, 
like theological textbooks. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. all that. Um, but so that I'm reading that like by the pool. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoy you know that sort of thing. But in the back of my mind, there's always like, ooh, that might be really useful for a sermon, or that might be really useful. Like, and it's to actually say, you know, it's not about utility. It's just about enjoying yeah. this. And so for me, I've I've found that the best moments of Sabbath um, come at the times when I'm actually able to get out of where you are normally. So breaking the routine, getting out of uh, even the geographical location. I mean, going away, using so like. Um, I think if you work with your mind most of the time, it's good to use your hands for things. Like I have this weird, I love folding laundry. Um, I take way too long doing it, but like I love doing it just because it's so mindless and that's a way of Sabbath actually of, of practicing that. Um, playing golf, boy, but if I had my, th- I would just love like to take the day and, and to cook. Like just, I'm not even that good of a cook, but I just love trying different things enjoying mm-hmm. food because mm-hmm. it's meant to be enjoyed, you know? Yeah. That's good. Now, one of the things we haven't talked about, but, like, that looks very different now with a seven- and a five-year-old at home. Like, I don't get that. All that sounds very nice, but that doesn't happen week to week. Um, so what would you say to somebody who, you know, it, it has a couple kids at home or something like that, and like, I love nothing more than to go for a walk at Middleton Gardens or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think that is a great conversation to have with your spouse and to figure out how to open up space for one another to have that time. There will be some times that you can do, like when kids are in bed or before they get up, um, but otherwise I think switching off and giving that as a gift to your spouse can be a really wonderful thing. Um, The other thing that we haven't really touched on too much, but I think is such a key part of Sabbath is spiritual practice, and whether that's worship or prayer time or this is really radical, but being silent and just listening to what God might want to speak to you, um, those are all ancient disciplines of the church. And worship, um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand about whether you just are overjoyed to go to worship on Sunday, um, but I would say if you don't find any joy in going to worship where you're worshiping, either you might need to do some spiritual house cleaning yourself, or you might need to go visit some other churches because worship should be a joyful time where you are encountering the God who made you and loves you. And that that is the most Sabbath refreshment that there is to experience that. And so often you hear Sunday is an obligation. Right. right? And, but, right. but if we're talking about Sabbath, not about obligation, but about joy. For the Christian, that really is... Uh, all about joy. Um, anyways, I think we should probably cut it at this point. Yet again, Sounds we didn't good. make our 15-minute goal. But uh, do we have any questions? We could keep going, Mary Hollis. But do we have any questions? Yes. All right. Hi. Are you hey. on? I'm, okay. There we go. Oh. Okay. So with one upvote, we have is Sunday or Saturday the Sabbath? That is a great question. So traditionally in Judaism, the Sabbath was Saturday, and that was deeply, deeply, deeply ingrained into um, the Jews and all of those who practiced that religion. And that's one of the proofs, actually, of the significance and reality of Jesus' resurrection is that that day, which is referred to in the commandments, shifted to Sunday for Christians. Um, so that is um, 
the the official, if you will, definition that Sabbath for Christians is Sunday. But the concept of Sabbath, the idea of taking that time to focus on God doesn't have to be limited just to Sunday. I think about Jesus when he says the Sabbath was made for man, not man, man for the, the Sabbath. Sabbath. Right. Um, so in some way, I mean, you can get down a whole technical discussion there, but you answered it so well, we don't need to do that. <laughs> so what else have you got? What's the best way to keep the Sabbath if your work schedule does not allow it? Boy. Brian? <laughs> well, um, I would say a couple of things. One is you might need to talk to an employment lawyer um, because you uh, can't be required to work all the time so that you cannot practice your religion. Um, but leaving that aside, uh, I think part of it Maybe most of us, not all of us, but most of us have some um, discretion over how we work, even if we're working lots and lots of hours. And maybe one of the ways to do that is to build um, some extra work time in in a different day so that it allows you the flexibility to have some time off. Um, some people do have to work on Sunday mornings. Um, for those people, I think it's important to try to find some kind of corporate worship service that you can go to that's at a different time um, on a different day of the week. And there are a pretty fair number of those around. Um, if, that's, if that's a specific situation that somebody's struggling with, um, Justin, I'd be happy to talk to you about creative ways to try to get around that. Because it really sort of depends on what your obstacles are and how, you know, how to address that. We actually had to do that in seminary. Um, I worked as a caddy at seminary. And so, Saturdays and Sundays were the days I could actually go and work and actually pay for food and a place to live. And so sometimes we'd have to go Sunday evenings or maybe at the really, really early service on Sunday. Um, but yeah, so I, I sympathize with that question to give it. Can you talk, can you talk about the difference between rest, good, and idleness, Oh, that's a really excellent question. Um, one of my favorite words that doesn't get used anymore that is uh, often classed among the deadly sins is the word sloth. Such a fun word to say, sloth. Um, but sloth, sloth is idleness. And that is when you're just sitting around, you're not doing anything, you're not intentional, you're scrolling, um, you're channel surfing, you are... Um, doing whatever um, that is not something that's connected with what makes you flourish and makes you be the best person that you can be. So I would say one of the main differences is that Sabbath is intentional, that you are embracing things, that you are embracing practices that you are choosing to invest yourself in, and you are opening that time to the Holy Spirit. Whereas idleness is just basically um, and there, there's some really there's a great uh, book that I didn't bring um, that's called Amusing Ourselves to Death and uh, idleness I think is related to that so do you want to yeah. comment oh, man, on that? That's such a, I'm so glad that question was asked because we didn't really touch on that but um, you know in the common rule that they talk about this a good bit but um, you know you're talking about scrolling in our phones you know, what is the, pl the place of technology even in Sabbath rest? I wouldn't want to say that 
um, you know, getting rid of all technology is what you have to do on a Sabbath. I think that, um, you know, there is something, it's very, it, it must be at least God-directed and focused. I think that's the heart of it, is communing, spending time with God. And, but it's also very much doing the things that bring you joy. And I'm, I'm into Stranger Things right now on Netflix. And so, like, that brings me joy. Now, am I going to go binge that for six hours on my Sabbath? That's probably a bad idea because that will shrivel my soul up if I do six hours of Netflix. But I think that saying, like, you know, you know it's like reading, reading fiction, engaging with that, um, with technology. Those are good things, but you have to do those in moderation. And, yeah. and um, you know, uh, so, like, one of the things is, like, you mentioned practicing silence, that sort of thing. Like sleeping. Like sometimes people practice silence and they fall asleep because they haven't stopped at all the entire week. And uh, I have a lot of compassion. I try, sorry, I try to have a lot of compassion. Usually my first reaction when people fall asleep on Sunday mornings from the pulpit is not compassion. We see uh, you when that yeah. happens. <laughs> but what I've tried to like tell myself is more often than not, these folks who are falling asleep when I'm preaching. Uh, or which is, is actually probably the first time during the entire week they've actually stopped. Yeah. And so yeah, that's a gift we can give. Them. And, and and you know, <laughs> if they need to sleep for twenty minutes, they can sleep for twenty minutes. I won't be offended. Um, but I, I, all that was to say, I think taking a nap, like doing things like that, you would want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not idleness. Taking a nap, like exhaustion, is not a badge that you're doing great. That's like exactly you, right. it, uh, exhaustion is evidence that something is wrong in your life. It's like the service light in your car going off. Yeah, we just said, oh, exhaustion is what it means to be an adult now. That is not true. That's just not true. Exhaustion is a sign that something is wrong. And Sabbath is the answer to that. So idleness, it it needs to be good. It needs to be um, something that will nourish your soul, directing God there. And that can't be, um, or I wouldn't want to say that it can't be something like Watching a movie or um, but it's reading intentional. a book all night. It's, in, yeah. it's intentional. You're choosing. That's right. Yeah. Great question. What else? Okay. My Jewish friends and their families work a lot, yet always observe Shabbat. Why do you think observance of the Sabbath has been lost in the Christian faith? That is an excellent question. And I would say there are a lot of reasons. One is that many Christians don't take their faith as seriously. Um, as our Jewish brethren do. Um, I had a lot of very close friends who were Jewish when I was growing up, and um, they were very, very serious about observing that. But one of the things that, um, since I'm way older than y'all are, um, that I can remember that nobody else in here probably can remember is that Charleston used to be very much more oriented toward practice of the Sabbath. When I was growing up, Everything closed in the middle of the day for two to three hours. And on Sundays, there were blue laws where everything was closed. And um, you saw people, Sunday was the day that people were outside, people were in the parks. And um, yeah, it was just very, very different. But I think that um, for a lot of Christians, we don't take that command seriously. And there's, there's no reason we shouldn't take it seriously, but we've just chosen to start disregarding it, and we follow the culture instead of what the scriptures teach. Yeah, I think in some ways, um, you know, the 
Christians, one of the things that the Old Testament, we do have a lot of laws in there that have been fulfilled in Christ. And so in a, in a way, the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. Um, the concept, of you, as you mentioned, like continues on. Um, but I think we have this leeriness, particularly in Protestantism, of uh, any sort of law that you must do in strict religious following the observance of the Sabbath that, that fringes in at least a lot of Protestant circles. Um, but that there's actually, and so that was one of the questions I was going to bring up, is how do we keep the, the Sabbath from becoming legalistic uh, when, when that's something that ought to be uh, life-giving and it can become just a checklist that we have to do this and it's that, that's not going to bring a lot of joy to you, I, I don't think. But um, How would you try to keep the Sabbath in a way that's not legalistic? I would say a lot of that, again, goes back to the intentionality of it, thinking about the why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're doing it just to jump through hoops, that's not a good reason. You know, and that's not pleasing to God either. But instead, to think about um, how is this helping me to be more who God has created me to be? How is this helping me to um, live into my relationship with God and experience fellowship with Him? Those kinds of things. And if you're not getting good answers to those, it might mean you need to make some changes. I will say it's really interesting. If you get back um, in the history of Christianity in Charleston, one of the things that used to be a role for St. Philip's vestry members is they were appointed on Sundays essentially to patrol the town and make sure no one was having any fun. And if they were, they had to like call the police on them. Um, and that is a very messed up view they don't get the Sabbath. of the Man. Sabbath. Um, and I don't think we'd have anybody on the vestry if that was still the case. But um, fortunately, that is no longer true. I, so I think that's one of the reasons why, is that there's this leeriness towards rule following in Protestantism, uh, which is really a shame, uh, because they miss out. I mean, you talk about identity formation. Like, intentional practices form your identity. Mm -hmm. And you, you look at Jewish families, like, that is part and parcel of who they are. And that really does something pretty formative in their lives. And I think we, yeah. as Christians, need to recover mm -hmm. that, uh, yes, that right there. Yep these intentional ritual and practices that when done intentionally yep. and meaningfully can actually re they, they reinforce all the good things that, that God wants to have in our lives. Absolutely. Does coming to this event count towards my Sabbath? <laughs> that is another really good question. It might or it might not. Um, if you're doing it to get brownie points with Justin, um, Probably not so much. I mean, if you find it to be something that is life-giving, that helps break your step during the week and causes you to think about the kingdom of God, um, and you find joy from it, then probably yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, actually, that's a great thing for next week or next time's topic. We're going to talk about why should I go to church, and so that'll be a great question. There's so much embedded in that. Uh, so if I would say this does not count as church, obviously. Um, but I would say someone like my wife, I mean, we got a babysitter tonight. Like, she's able to come this evening. And this is very much part of Sabbath, I think, for her, being able yeah. to come and enjoy that sort of fellowship. What are your thoughts on the use of prayer apps to use in my free time? 
That is also a really good question. Um, there are some excellent prayer apps out there. There also are some that, for me, um, they just, I was like, who thought this up? But, you know, that depends on how you're wired. Uh, for some, I would say try it. If it's something that works for you, that's helpful, that can be good. If it's on your phone, to me, that is kind of a problem to begin with because it's hard, it's hard for me to use my phone for something like that without being distracted by the rest of what's going on in my phone. But I think having order in prayer can be very useful. And if an app is what helps you to do that, um, that can be a good thing. There's also the good old Book of Common Prayer, um, which is pretty good for that. Um, I also would really commend to you, um, if you are not in the habit of having a prayer partner or praying out loud with another person, that is a really wonderful practice to cultivate. Yeah. I, I've never, I've used one prayer app, I think, and that was, it was, it was good. It was helpful because it guided me through the time. It had a timer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was great. But by and large, for me, like, if my phone is anywhere in my sight, I'm already going to be distracted. It's not going to be good. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I would say if, if you are able to turn off notifications, that sort of thing, and to go through it, then great. Yeah. Uh, but search your, search your own heart and realize, I mean, how... Uh, how effective actually is it in helping yes. you? I think I do. And I would say one tool that I do like that is more on my computer than my phone that's not specifically prayer but it's more worship. One of the great advantages of technology in this age is that on YouTube there is so much amazing choral music, whether it's contemporary or classical, that's really well done, that is worshipful. And that can be a real aid into entering into the presence of God. Because most of us don't have a 40-voice choir um, sitting around at our house um, to just command the same when we're ready to go into worship time. If you've ever been in Brian's office, he has that playing all the time in the background. It's like the most holy place ever. It's just like, ah, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't have that. Unless it's the Shire theme. Well, yeah. Debatable. Okay, in the Bible it says, if we lay around a lot, it's lazy, which is bad. But how do we know when we have rested too much? Wow, that's a good question. There are there's some great verses in Proverbs about that, uh, about the sluggard. That's right up there with sloth in terms of words that are fun to say. The sluggard that lies around and um, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands, um, that whole kind of thing. So I think that um, rest, your, your body is a good indicator you know, about whether you feel rested. And for your age, you know, there's sort of normal things about how much sleep you should get. Um, if you find that you are regularly requiring like 14 hours sleep a night, um, something is probably wrong um, physiologically that you might want to get checked out. Um, but I, I do think that most of us don't sleep enough. Most people think that well, if I sleep five hours and I can continually regularly sleep five or six hours a night, that's enough. That is not enough. That is um, causing harm to your body. Yeah, yeah. that's all that. Yeah, that's... Oh, there's so much to say there. Um, 
I, I think when you, and it goes back to last time when we talked about work and vocation, if God is, you know, he has a calling on your life and work is good, you, are, you specifically are intended to do a kind of work, usually right in front of you where you are. Um, and so rest actually when done well is gonna spur you into your calling. It's gonna spur you in to, to the work that God's given you. Much like, I mean, God rests, right? But then he's going back into, um, he's always upholding everything. But um, the idea of this work six days, rest on a seventh day, that pattern, it, it's, it's not, there's, there's a reason why it's not six days of rest yes. and one day of work. Is that work is actually a good thing that we're supposed to do. And all too often we can just fall into leisure or laziness or sloth, as you said. And that becomes soul-sucking. I mean, it, it really does. Just if you go on vacation, you're not doing anything. That's a frightful thing for many of us. So, you have, so I would say like doing something is actually part of... Of resting, of resting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it should drive you back into what your calling is in, in the work that God's given you to do. But I would say for most of us, the trouble is not resting too much, definitely right. resting too much. 815, okay. one, maybe one or two more? Yeah, this is the last one, so thank you all for a good behavior tonight. <laughs> last week, it got rowdy for last my time. first time on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so this last question is, how am I supposed to rest when I don't have time between work, family, friends, and exercise? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's where a lot of people live. And uh, I would say, if you can't rest, something's got to give. And what that means is you've got to look at your schedule and figure out where you can develop some margin. And maybe that is cutting out some things or reducing some things, um, scheduling in some time. Um, most of us are pretty good at finding the time for things that we really want to do. And uh, I think if we really want to find some time um, for Sabbath rest um, and pray into it, then we will find a way to do that. And I think if you genuinely think you can't find any time. Um, again, I would encourage you to talk to Justin or me or somebody who's an older Christian who can maybe sort of sit down with you and look at your schedule and see what might be possible. That's literally the number one thing that I've done with more than any other issue is sitting down with college students and looking at a schedule. Um, because that is where everyone is. I, I don't have time to do these things. And it's like, well, um, you can let go of some of these things. So I think one is the fear of saying no to certain things and taking up things that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, Obligation. Yeah. And yeah. actually utilizing a schedule that is brings life as opposed to people get scared of using a schedule. Right. And be a slave young, but, to it. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually when you schedule a Sabbath, like if you start your year, you say, here's 52 days. I'm going to start before I put anything else on there. These are off limits. That will change your life. That will absolutely change your life. And you'll be wondering, what do I do with this time? Well, you exercise. You spend it with friends. You have meals. Like That's uh, what you do on those Sabbath days. And you build around that. But, yeah, I think it's sitting down, looking at your schedule, having that hard reality check of the things that I think I have to do aren't always the case. Yes. So on that note? On that note, 
Uh, we'll be around till. I mean, we're gonna hang out. You can welcome me. Go upstairs. We'll be around here. Uh, we'd love feel to feel free to look talk. Yes. Yeah. And next uh, in two weeks, because we do it every two weeks, we'll be talking about uh, why should I go to church, which is a perfect tie-in to uh, you know talking about Sabbath, which is more of an idea or concept but what what is church why do we go to do yeah. we go to church what is all that yeah, so it's going to be great it'll be a so fun conversation we're looking forward to that uh, thank y'all so much for coming and uh feel free to bring friends or um tell folks about it we're we're happy to have whomever and uh, we're just delighted y'all were here so thanks for taking time out of your schedule to bless us by being here amen to that yeah thanks thank you